Okay, this is a special edition of the Christ Covenant Sermon Talkback, and it's not really a sermon talkback, per se. <laughs> um, we're not dealing with application of a sermon today as we normally are. We're dealing with something that's come up that affects certainly our congregation, but I actually think it, it affects all Christian congregations to some degree. On Sunday afternoon, the uh, guidepost report on these allegations and against, uh, uh, towards sexual abuse that were made against the SBC came out, and it was uh, very, I mean, I want to hear from Jennifer on this, but I would just use the word lamentable, horrible, sad, uh, and just incredibly damaging report to the reputation of the Southern Baptist Convention. Um, it was a, as I said, sad report in terms of just the abuse that has gone on and, and the opportunities that we maybe had to correct some of the problems that we just didn't take. And um, again, it's just lamentable. It's just a moment where I found myself saddened this week Um not maybe surprised, and I want to talk about that, but sad and just being face-to-face with the reality of the depth of sin in this world. So I'm joined by Jennifer McClish. Uh, I've heard from a lot of you uh, in the congregation just about what this means for Christ's covenant, and so we just wanted to have a conversation about it. But what are your thoughts on the report, Jennifer? Kind of what's been going through your head this week as you've been thinking about it? Yeah, well, thanks for um, inviting me to talk about it. I think it's, um, you know, I too was just, um, I mean, it just feels like a a gut punch, I think, and that you know that this is real. I mean, we've known that this um, abuse has been going on. I think even in the report, it said like for 15 years, um, people in the SBC have been trying to really made a concerted effort to try to get this um, to bring these things to light and to have something, you know, different be done in the SBC. So I think, but finally, like seeing it in writing and see like what actually has happened. And then some of the cases, you know, were a surprise and a shock to see names that you recognize. And I think for women, it's just, uh, you know, this whole, this world that we walk in is there to be, you know, objectified, on a regular basis to, um, I mean, like the, the reality for women and sexual abuse or unwanted sexual advances. I mean, every single woman has experienced some unwanted sexual advance. One out of five women have experienced attempted sexual assault or completed sexual assault. Every woman that you know, knows someone who has been sexually assaulted. I mean, it's like, it's kind of like this thing that's always in the back of your mind as a woman when you walk through the world where it feels somewhat unsafe. And yet you also know that you are, you know, especially one who's redeemed, like you're walking out in power and in love and self-discipline. Like we're not, we're not called to walk in this fear, but we, it is a reality that we deal with, I guess, on a regular basis. So then to see that this has been taking place in the church, which, you know, for us should be the safest place on the earth. I mean, it's a little bit of heaven on earth. I think it just kind of brings all of those emotions and those fears and the anger and anything that any woman has like 
you know, wrestled with in the past, it just bubbles up to the surface. So not only are we trying to like respond with wisdom in the church, I think it's just like on a personal level, you're, you're wrestling with these things again on how you're supposed to see it rightly. Um, Well, and, and, and especially within the family of faith, um, I think it's a gut punch, obviously to women. Um, It's a gut, it should be a gut punch to men uh, here we are uh, as followers of Jesus who are called to be brothers to our sisters. As you said, you know, we should be lovers, protectors, uh, caregivers to our sisters in Christ. And yet we have taken on this objectifying posture of the world around us Um and so, yes, it is incredibly lamentable on many levels. So, like, the first level is that sexual abuse is actually happening. There's another level that, like, I would say, like, the general abuse of power that has led to cover-up, to discrediting reports of women that have come forward or tried to come forward. So let's start with the sexual abuse level. Um, and you spoke to that. Um, but you know, what needs to be done? I mean, at, at Christ covenant, I, we have certainly tried to address this issue. In fact, one of the things that people ask me all the time, why do you background check every member? (laughs) And I always say, I hate that we have to, I don't, you know, I'm not trying to like pry on people, but we're just not going to risk our kids or you know, particularly our kids, but we're not going to risk there being some sort of predator in our body at any level. And so we don't just background our children's workers. We background check everybody. Um, And uh, that's just one of the little pieces that we've put in place to try to create protection. I hope that we have a culture of confession of sin uh, and that sexual sin is not seen as like, Boys will be boys, you know, but it's seen as really offensive to the heart of God and really offensive to our sisters in Christ. I mean, a pornography addiction is should be offensive to every woman, and it should be offensive um, to every man also. I mean, we we are we are taking the image of God and making it, as you say, an object of pleasure, and so. Obviously, pornography and sexual abuse are different items or different things, but but they're part of the same kind of culture. And um, and so, yeah, I hope that that's part of the culture of our church. Um, and then, I mean, obviously, we want to have a posture of of elder care that um, uh, that is for the members of our church. And um, and as a church culture, obviously, that, that lifts up the voices of women in our body, of whom you are obviously one of those key voices. So I'm curious, like what, I mean, that's a, probably a good moment for us, like in order to protect the members and children of our church, like what needs to be done? Like what, what more can be done? No, I think these are great, <laughs> great questions. I think it, um, two things that you hit on, one, is um, just remembering that this is a family of God and like really wrestling with interacting men and women, interacting as brothers and sisters, as mothers and sons, as Mm -hmm. fathers and daughters, that 
we really need to wrestle and think what a family of God would actually act like. And I think so many times we are influenced by the culture. We don't even realize how much it has infiltrated our own Christian culture. But to say we are really a family and how would you interact with your sisters in Christ um, and with children? Um, And then to also wrestle with just our understanding of what sex is. I know that and what it's for and how it's designed. And I mean, that's going to come over time with, you know, discipleship, with studying the word. But I mean, I think this is a moment to think again, like, what do I really think about sex Mm -hmm. and why it is what it was designed for and God's plan for it. And the fact that it's pleasurable is a gift to us, but there's so much that it speaks to about who God is and Christ in the church and, you know, the sanctity of marriage and um, the beauty of covenant and just so many good, good things that God has given us. So there's like this kind of moment where it's like, we as Christians should love sex more than anyone else because we actually know what it's for and we hold it up in this very high esteem and yet we're very much uh, recognized that it is one of those things because it is such a strong desire in us that it is it's fraught, I guess, mm-hmm. with temptation towards sin. So it's like another reckoning on like what sin is, um, you know, that it's our desires leading to sin. And then when sin is um, are tempting us and that we can be deceived by those. So I don't, there's this, all of these because um, I think one of the things about the report that is kind of is really shocking is that the leaders these these men who who know the word who've studied the word who've preached the word and how much they acted like the sexual abuse was not actually abuse and that abuse is not sin or that this that any sex outside of marriage is not sin i mean just the way they dealt it with it kind of made you think do they even have a an understanding of a strong theological understanding of what sin is and how deceptive it is. Right. Um, and, and, and I would just say like how inconsistent their dealing of this was versus like their preaching, you know, I mean, it, their, their preaching would have been totally for, um, you know, sex within marriage. I mean, and, and so, and that's something that, that, I'm I'm a little frightened of too is I don't want to throw the baby out with the bathwater, right? I think that I think there can be this overreaction to this. Okay, someone was a fraud and therefore their whole theology is bad. Their theology could have been good, but their applica- their personal application of that theology was horrendous. And I think Or they that, forgot think, how deceive how deceiving sin is. Right. I mean we think we know what sin is and then we need to constantly have a posture of humility before the Lord to like search me, try me, show me um, if there's any wicked way in me because our sin is deceptive. Right. And I think one of the things that really like bothers me in particular is that these, like you say, these pastors, church leaders were just following the advice of the attorney um, <laughs> and not really leading as pastors or leading as men of God or trying to care for, they weren't really following the way of Christ. Just in terms of quick review, maybe this would be helpful for the listeners because some of you are like, okay, I saw a new sermon podcast come up and what are y'all even talking about? about. (laughs) So uh, as Jennifer mentioned, for, for many years there have been 
um, accusations of sexual abuse um, among Southern Baptist churches. And this, this goes back really as far as some of the Roman Catholic reports in kind of the mid-2000s. People started asking the same question in the SBC. It was really ignored for a long time. Um, the Houston Chronicle came up with a big report in maybe like 2017, 2018, somewhere in there, that asked a lot of these questions, talked about some of the lack of uh, accountability, and the SBC, I would say, in some ways really responded. They put forward a credentials committee. Uh, the SBC put forward this uh, Caring Well curriculum to help train churches in these areas. The problem was, at the highest level, with the credentials committee, with the executive committee, and this is the real you know, damaging part of the report, reports were coming in and nothing was being done. And people were almost like covering up the reports that were coming in up after the SBC had done all this work to create this credentials committee. Had, and so last year at the SBC, kind of thinking, okay, we've got a big problem here. The messengers of the SBC basically asked the com executive committee to get this report done by guideposts. Even at that meeting, the executive committee tried to put the motion down. The messengers came back and then with like a three-fourths vote, 75% vote, overrode the executive committee, which very rarely happens in SBC life. So in some ways, like this is the shame of the SBC. In some ways, it's like, oh, the polity of the SBC is actually kind of good. And so the SBC hired on its own, paid for on its own, at the will of the messengers, this report to be done. And... In along the way, a third of the executive committee resigned. So, I mean, that's why I was thinking this report's going to be really bad. Like, what is in this report? And obviously, it was really bad. Um, and it it revealed a lot of things that we maybe assumed were going on, um, and maybe revealed even more than that. I mean, so it 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 was a very damaging report. But I am. I do sit in this chair hopeful that with a the right repentant heart, um, this movement and cooperation of churches can really be uh, saved and, and can do the right thing. I think it's, it's actually doing the right thing right now, even though this is a very, very dark day. Uh, but one of the things I've been telling people is like the, the day that a man confesses to having an affair to his wife is a really hard day. But it's better, actually, for the marriage than the day before. Like, the day before was a worse day when he was living in the deceit. And so I think this is kind of like that day. It's like a really bad thing has been happening, but now it's out there and we it will either destroy the marriage. I mean, to use the affair analogy, the, the marriage will either end or the marriage will make the right corrections and will be able to survive. Before we kind of get to like maybe what that is like, the the issue here, you know, along with the sexual abuse is just the great abuse of power. And that I think has been, and I'll say this as a guy that has been around Southern Baptist life for a long time, I just think that's been a part of like the SBC for decades. Um, and... It, this is forcing 
us to take a deep look at that. I don't know. What are your thoughts on just the abuse of yeah, power in general? Well, yeah, I think it's just, and I think this actually is a, to your point about this being a, a dark day, but also a good day and that there's the potential now that this has been brought to light that there can be a reckoning on how we view authority in the church. Um, again, I think we've been influenced by the world instead of seeing that, like, you know, all authority is is given. It's given right. to right. men by God. It's given to women. You know, Genesis 2 was given to men and women to have dominion over the earth, but it's given. And then all through every place where God establishes order, it's given to one. But that in and of itself should demand a great humility that there's never an entitlement in authority, and I think this idea like comes in and then just you know became abusive. Um, so it's like the way church sees authority, like we sh we believe in it because God has created it, but we have to really think like what does this mean? And I think there should be a lot of humility in it. I think um, the the ear of the one in authority always should be inclined to those that they are leading. Um, it's kind of like that whole point again of the shepherding and the care for the individual and the, um, you know, just the heart towards the weak and the marginalized or people who don't have the authority even. <laughs> it doesn't even have to be the weak, but just like someone who's mm -hmm. not in that position. I mean, that's the whole point why you're there is to um, lend your power um, to empower them. So I think there's a lot of... Um, yeah, I agree. There's a lot of reckoning that needs to be done and how we view authority. And then, of course, calling people um, to account for how they've abused um, that power. And and I think that the abuse of power is larger than this issue, covering up things and sexual abuse. And it's just sad that this is the issue that brings that, you know, to light. Right. But it it is being brought to light. And so... Again, it, this either destroys it, the whole house crumbles, or the house can be redeemed and the house can be saved. And and I, I am hopeful to that end, but I do want to kind of pivot now to a lot of people are saying, like, why don't we just get out of the SBC? Like, well, why does Christ's covenant need the SBC? Why are y'all feel a sense of loyalty there. And just to kind of, if you're kind of new to this, it's not like the S it's not like Christ's covenant is under the authority of the SBC. The, the SBC is a missional cooperation of churches. So it's these churches that cooperate together in order to train pastors and missionaries, uh, and church workers, um, and in order to send church planters, church, uh, begin new churches and then of course send missionaries all over the world and and in one in one sense it's like the strongest mission sending agency there's thousands of men and women serving all over the world um because of this cooperation because it exists and so there's so many good things that you can see the problem with what really happened in this case is the good thing the mission became the excuse for uh, covering these things up. Let's not distract ourselves from the mission by exposing sin. Let's hide it so the mission can continue. Um, so, but anyway, yeah, there's some, there's a lot of questions that are just brought up there. Um, but yeah, what, what, as, as a woman, at, as a, as a woman at Christ covenant, I don't know. I mean, you're curious, your reaction, Jennifer, like, 
I think there's a knee jerk of let's get out, but then there's also a like knee jerk of like, well, the mission is really good. So let's just forget about this, you know? And so how do we kind of maneuver through that? Yeah. How I will, I'd say my reaction has been, um, just more and more. I just think how much the uh, God is calling us to wisdom. I mean, I think of like, we just, um, you know, we're going through Proverbs 10 in our daily rhythms and our own Will Carlisle said, you know, so much of Christian, um, most Christians think that they're in the world to set things right, to decide what's right and wrong and to kind of like, you know, double down on like, we're going to make sure the right things happen. And that obviously is part of it. But all of this is couched in wisdom. Like Christians are bringing beauty into the world. They are doing things to um, for the glory of God. And the glory of God is just something profound. And, mm-hmm. you know, ultimately it's the cross of Christ. I mean, whoever would have um, thought of that, that like, if you're going to glorify the God of the universe, that that would, the best way to do that would be for him to send his son um, to the cross to die, um, you know, for rebels. So it's, I think it's just like a reckoning again to think, what is the gospel? What do I really believe? And what is my ultimate goal here as a Christian? And it's to move forward in the world, bringing glory to God. So that's going to demand that there's wisdom in this. So then I think I'm wrestling with this and I think, well, the the Lord has a lot to offer to us. One, he tells us in moments like this to lament. Mm-hmm. And there's, there's real, you know, I think sometimes we think we're lamenting because we are, we're talking about how terrible it is. And everybody you see is like, oh my word, did you hear about that report? And then you, you know, recount everything again and you, um, you know, register your shock and all the things, but actually we're supposed to be taking these things to the Lord in prayer. We're supposed to be registering our complaints um, with him. We're supposed to be asking him boldly for um, help in how to move forward and for wisdom and for, you know, bringing people to account and bringing things to light. And then we're supposed to choose to trust him. And so I feel like, yeah, we don't, there's not a mandate to stay in the SBC. Um, they're not the only organization that, you know, speaks for the Lord or whatever. There's, but, other, cooperations um, there's other cooperations that right. are effective, yeah. for, effective for the Great Commission. Right. The Great Commission. But I think the you know, there's no this is not a time for a knee jerk response. Yeah. Like we should yeah. go through the motions, go through the or I should say the means of grace that God has given us. We should lament. We should mourn with those who mourn. Then we should listen. Like we should actually be listening to these stories. And then we should be moving forward in calling our leaders to like this kind of beautiful higher standard of glorifying the Lord. And that's another thing about authority, I think, is like we can't we can't just sit back and ask our leaders to create the beautiful life-giving organizations and church members that are churches that we want to be a part of, you actually have to participate mm-hmm. in that. That's and good. when, That's if you good. don't participate in the things, it's never going to uh, right. become the beautiful organization that you hope for. So in that sense, I'm like, okay, I personally am willing to stay a little longer and see what comes out of this moment. Like you said, we're at this crossroads um, to continue participating and to see where the Lord leads. But for sure, calling people 
to repentance. Right. Um, who right. need to be called to repentance and also caring for those. Right. You know, these right. wounded people. I, I the, think there there can be a self-righteous reaction that would just want to totally distance yourself. Thank God I'm not like this tax collector or this Southern Baptist, you know. That's right. And, um, and I think that's not obviously the right response. I think more of the right response is like, have mercy on me, a sinner. And then maybe from that posture, I can look around and say, okay, who's the victim here? How do they need love and care? What are the cultural problems with our own church? I mean, I think we need to ask that question at Christ's covenant. Is is there a cultural or a systemic issue that might create um, the potential for abuse of power, the potential for sexual abuse? the potential for any of this like and again i these are questions that we've asked before but they're questions we should be asking all the time and then and then what are the same kinds of questions that need to be asked across our 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 partnerships our missions partnerships and i would include not just southern baptist in that right like every missions partnership that we are a part of that's really what we're talking about here how how are we going to partner with people that are not only like effective in missions, but that also have the, I would say, spiritual credibility to be doing the mission of God? Um, and then I think the other thing I would say is, you know, I, I, I have been around, I've been let down by a lot of people. Um, and I've been around a lot of people that have sinned against God and in disgraceful ways. Um, some of them, that destroyed their faith, and it showed that they really didn't have faith. Some of them, they've repented, they've owned their sin, and God has restored them and restored their ministry. And so I just think we need to remember that. We we need to remember that as disgraceful and shameful as this is, um, you know, repentance and faith can bring about redemption. And that is kind of the core of our, uh, you know, of our confession. Now, the sad thing is, will some of these guys even repent? I mean, like even, I mean, I think about like, I mean, the Ravi Zacharias situation, which is obviously similar like, man, here's a guy, it starts to come out, and he went to his death. Like, he's sitting there dying, knowing he's about to die, thinking, I'm, gonna, I'm about to face God. And I don't know that there was a story of repentance there. And so, to, to me, that's like, is this guy even a Christian? As gifted and as amazing as he was, um... I just, I can't say with good confidence that that guy's a believer. And and so are we going to see the same thing in the SBC? Are some of these folks, I mean, this is a moment where repentance and, and, and restoration can really happen or hard-heartedness. And so, and I think that's a well, micro story and that's a macro story. Yes, exactly. And I think, I know for me, I also have experienced, um, you know, some pretty painful church hurt and seeing the same things that you've uh, said where you've been let down and then you've seen people um, repent and come, um, you know, come be reconciled. And it's amazing and it's beautiful. But 
one of the things that I have uh, that it has done for me is to see this sin of self-righteousness, like how often I would think I would never do that. Right. Um, and then you think, man, there's six things God hates and seven are abomination. And like the number one thing is haughty eyes. Right. Like just right. thinking that you somehow, yeah, this self-righteousness thing. So I think it, it can be very instructive for us to, as, as terrible and sad as it is to think like, I should never be justifying any action um, based on other, you know, good things that I'm doing in my life and think those outweigh this one thing that I'm struggling with. Um, I should never think I, anytime I see this kind of sin, I should see like the root of it in my own heart. I mean, there's it, it can be very instructive on how we should move forward as um, Christians in our own repentance and faith. Um, so that's a good thing that comes out of it, even though it is um, it is terribly sad. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, I mean, one good reminder to the members of Christ Covenant, I would say. We're a congregational church. And the fact that many of you are thinking about these things or caring about these things or asking these questions is great. That's like the way we're supposed to operate. The, the congreg- we're not under the authority of some bigwig in Nashville. Like It's you. You are the authority. You, the members of our church, um, are the ones that say, okay, what is the most effective way for us to achieve the great commission. And I think that's a great question for us to always be asking. Um, and so we are not, I mean, that's the beauty of being a congregational church. Like we're not denominationally owned. Uh, we partner, we choose to partner, we choose to cooperate. Um, and so I, I do think this is a moment of lament. I think it's a moment for reflection. I think it's a moment for repentance. Um, and, it's also a moment to seek the Lord into where he might be leading us as a congregation and um, where he may be leading this larger network of churches in days ahead. And, and I am hopeful that in this, from this slow moment, God can bring about something beautiful. Um, um, but we will follow him and we'll see what his plan is. And that, I don't know exactly know what that beautiful thing is going to look I, like. I know. Yeah. Right. Right. I think that's the thing is it's always hard to, um, it's always easy to, you know, create critique and criticize. It's much, much harder to be a part of, um, building something more beautiful. And I think, but I'm with you. I mean, the church is where we will do that, that we stay committed to our brothers and sisters in our family that we stay, you know, in, um, communication and, you know, these good, healthy discussions where we're really wrestling with the word and bringing our lives under the Lordship of Christ. And I think that's another thing too. I think sometimes people, it, yes, this is shocking, but there is a lot of this where we're so let down by, um, the people that we're allowing to influence in our lives and not that, you know, it's an amazing time where there's podcasts, there's books, there's, you know, influencers, all this kind of stuff where you can, that have a Christian message. Thought leaders. And yet, thought leaders. Or thought leaders, exactly. <laughs> but I do think we need to remember who our hope is in um, and remember that the place where we, you know, work that out is ultimately with our family of, um, you know, in our church. That's so. right. That's right. Well, uh, Jennifer, thanks for engaging uh, in this weighty and heavy topic. It is a, it's a sad week. I mean, there's no way around that. 
It's a sad week. There's a lot of questions to ask. There's a lot to think about. Um, there's a lot of potential, but it is a sad week. Um, so uh, let's keep following our Lord. Uh, let's this, let's let this be a warning to us all. Let's lament and mourn with the victims that um, are even one would be too plentiful, but there's many out there. And let's be diligent. Uh, to make sure that we follow the way of Christ in protecting and caring for and loving those that we have stewardship over. Well, for Jennifer McClish, I'm Jason Dees.